tell me more about how his eyes look, Simon. It's almost <laughs> as if Simon enjoys being chastised by Baz or something. Like, is this how you describe your enemies? It's really not. Hot. Yeah, like, basically. <laughs> I feel like I just want to be, like, quote-unquote enemies for every time we bring up Baz. You want to get sexy? Yeah, let's get to the sexy stuff. Hello, and welcome to Escape from Reality, a podcast where two queer IRL witches talk about Wayward Son by Rainbow Rowell. I am Lark Malachi Gray. And I am Jesse Blount. And today we are talking about chapters 36 and 37 of Wayward Son, in which we are still on this mountain. And Shepard has untied Simon, who unties Baz, and Baz is not doing too well, so it's really time to get off this fucking mountain. That is, turns out, a bunch of sleeping dragons. Neat. Uh, no one else thinks this, unfortunately. Uh, Penny is still fighting Shepard about being here and knowing all this. But Baz brings up the very good point that uh, they need someone who, who knows what the fuck they're doing and where they are. And it sure as fuck isn't any of them. And they really do need to save Agatha and like kill all these vampires. So... Shepard's still part of the team. Slash is now part of the team. Yay. Yay. It's official. <laughs> uh, they bring him to a hotel to rest and eat. And Penny still wants to ditch Shepard, but Baz is like, come on, girl. Truly. <laughs> <laughs> <Really? laughs> uh, Simon is mildly alarmed to see that uh, Baz's body is bleeding as it pushes out all of this buckshot. And they almost have a moment but don't we're all crushed yep we sure are uh chapter 37 is bad reflecting about that he heals faster than a normal person because he is a vampire and good for him but he's like basically at his limit after being shot beat up not having enough food or sleep and all of this stress which is a lot of things <laughs> yeah so many things. Uh, Simon is also clearly injured, but he barely notices, as he only mentions it twice in his POV chapter before. So, um, anyway, the next morning, they pool all of their money, and Penny magically doubles it, something they really should have done from the get-go. Uh, Shepard now gives them the, the lowdown on the, on the now next vamps, which is exactly what you'd expect of venture capitalist tech bros, nabbing whoever they want to become vamps or experimentations because what they want most of all is magic. Uh, they've been making inquiries and some of it has made it into Shepard's network, which is how he knows this. Shepard doesn't totally know where the new next vampires are at, but most vampires in the country are in Las Vegas because of course they are. Uh, before they head out that way, Simon calls Agatha to no avail, but at least more of Baz's clothing has found his way back to him. And then we have one uh, we have one more painfully awkward tender moment between between the two of them and we're off. Yes, indeed. Uh, please remember that this is a fully spoiled podcast. And with that, we're going to enter our first segment. Easy come, easy go, where we talk about everything that doesn't go anywhere else. Just... Right off the bat, I want to make it known that I think I'm too shagged out to care should only be a sexy thing. Yeah, no, agree. I noticed that. 
I don't remember when we were having this discussion about the phrase shagged out being tired, but it is very bewildering. Did we have this discussion before? Have we? I, I, I feel like you mentioned this before in one of the podcasts and I was like, yeah, that's super weird. I do not remember the context. It was a different thing. Okay. It was a different thing that in American English would have been a sex thing, but apparently in British English isn't a sex thing. In any case, too shagged out to care should only mean that you've had a lot of fun and not that you have been kidnapped by a dragon and, you know, hogtied and sprained your wing and whatever else. Yeah, this feels like the whole like fanny pack slash bum bag thing yeah, all, all, all over again, which we talked about that, right? I definitely yeah, thought we talked about that. Okay. Um, <sighs> and I did, I like looked it up on Urban Dictionary and some people are like, yeah, it's when you've had a lot of sex. And then, but most people are like, yeah, it's just when you're really tired. Could be because you had a lot of sex, but could also be because you've like been kidnapped by a dragon and then, you know, Beaten up by a wear yeah, uh, that skunk. Thing. That's exactly yep. what I was trying to say. Thank <laughs> you. <laughs> I'm glad it also, I was just like, what was that thing that happened whenever we read those chapters, which feels like so long ago? It's like four months ago. <laughs> <sighs> All right. What do you have first? Um, I just like the levity of both Baz getting hit in the face with his pants that he has summoned like however many hours ago it was and then the next bit when he like walks out the hotel door and like three of his socks and a shirt hits him in the face I'm just like yes the comedic timing of this is perfect it is really good and the fact that one of the socks is covered in feathers so like it had an it, like an altercation with like a goose or something on its way back to bed probably definitely a Canadian goose because those suckers are mean it's true <laughs> so i just really like this part where shepherd like us is like tell me about how magic is passed down is it genetic like if i had a baby with a magician would our baby be magic and penny is like like so dismissive and i just wrote jokes on her i know right Uh, yeah, Penny, you're really going to be wanting to know the answer to that question in anywhere between like five and seven years. Exactly. <laughs> whatever her whatever her mental timeline of her life is, you know, when she figures out how to make sure Shepard's first three first first three children aren't taken by imps or demons or a trolls giants. I think he has one to a giant, right? I don't remember who was a giant or a troll. Something Neither. something large. Something very large <laughs> that eats babies. Yeah. So. <laughs> <sighs> uh so my my last thing is also about the sort of uh beginning of our second enemies to lovers trope, which is <laughs> Shepard being like yeah, I think I've done too much, too many magical drugs, but I don't think memory magic works on me. And then Penny literally doing the magical equivalent of hitting him in the face with a magical <laughs> spell. It's just like, damn girl. <laughs> 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 oh, it's so uh, rude. Penny is at 11, these two chapters. She's like, to the point where even Baz is like, oh my God, chill out. I feel like he usually 
deals with her with more tact but at this point he's just like penny shut up <laughs> yeah i mean i think someone has to <laughs> definitely and i think she also wants it like i was thinking about in the hotel room where she's like we give him 10 minutes and then we're gonna leave and i think she was just doing that out of a sense of obligation of like if anyone's gonna say it it's gonna be me so i need to make sure it's not what everyone else wants me to say Mm-hmm. And then as soon as Baz is like, no, I meant it. Like, he's going to be our guide. She's like, oh, fuck, thank God. <laughs> just like lays down. Yeah. I mean, you know, this has been a lot of weight on her shoulder. I mean, maybe we can get that and maybe we can just move into. Yeah, let's do it. Welcome to I See a Little Silhouette of a Man, where we talk about character development. I think what we're seeing is also like the first time, I think, since I've been to America that Penny can like be like, all right, someone else that's not me is figuring out what are next steps and the logistics of it. And it doesn't have to be me all the mm-hmm. way. And it feels great. And I'm like, yes, please get some rest. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Obviously all of our characters are dealing with how they got to this point in the book very differently. But I feel like for someone like Penny, who is like the fact that they haven't had a plan and like sort of flying by the seat of her pants is very not like her. Right. And so I think this is sort of the fever pitch of just like trying to maintain some kind of control over the situation. Right. Yeah. I think, I think it was the last, the last episode where we like, the first sentence that we started off with was Penny being like, I used to be so good at what's next and I just haven't had a plan. And we're seeing Simon and Baz sort of step into that space, which is really nice. And I think also seeing Penny experience the relief of being able to be like, I don't, I don't have a plan right now, you know, which I'm sure is just like going to continue feeling terrible because that's just not her personality, but at least it doesn't have to be like so much pressure. Yeah. And I also feel like, I think also it's hard for Penny because she's also the kind of person who's like, needs to know as much about a situation as possible. And this, and like, she just, like, it's not only not having information, but like, there's not really any way for her to like, access this information. It's not like they were at school, they go to the library or whatever. Right. You know, it's like. Shepherd or nothing. <laughs> I mean, basically, especially for the, the specific information that, that they need to have, which is about actual vampires in america and not like if you googled vampires in america getting i'm sure a bunch of a variety of weird fan fiction mm-hmm. so about any number of shows about vampires that take yeah. place yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um so yeah it's just she's just really like outside of her element and there's like kind of not a good way for her to be back in her element you know yeah definitely yeah that's actually kind of a lot of what I have is just like the different ways that everyone's dealing with like leadership roles. Mm-hmm. I like the observation from Simon that Baz saying that he's felt better means that he must be like extremely unwell. Yeah. Do you want to talk about Simon? Yeah, I'd love to talk about Simon. Um, I don't have as much about leadership stuff here, but I do have a little bit about... You know, he, so, you know, he mentions that, like, he thinks that, like, he hurt his wings somehow. Like, he doesn't like them being, like, it hurts to have them tied down, which is 
its own microcosm of feelings. But also the fact that they're like sort of like twitching and kind of like wanting to like sort of half curl around him and Baz. And I'm like, oh my God, maybe. Uh, I mean, mostly just about uh, Simon's uh, emotions that he doesn't say that comes out with his, the way that his wings are behaving. Mm. And I'm just like, you know, you're so worried about your boyfriend, even though you guys can't just fucking communicate what's happening. (laughs) But a part of you knows and wants to just hug him, which you could have done, I think. Yeah. I know. Yes. I know. Welcome to Face the Truth, where we talk about politics and things that are fucked up. Um, all right. Actually, I'm not sure if this is for this or for a cotton a landslide, but uh, Simon mentions that the, the fact that the mage worked with the vampires is really what sort of ruined his whole reputation. And I'm like, are you guys fucking kidding me? Like <laughs> all the fucked up shit this motherfucker did. And everyone's like, how dare he collaborate with vampires? It's the thing that is like, spit on this dude's unmarked fucking popper's grave. Uh, I'm sorry. I think he, <laughs> that, that, that was bad. That, all that was bad. But he did also a fuck ton of other bad shit. Are y'all just going to not acknowledge that? Okay. And I'm just like, really, you guys? I know. Um, I had the exact same reaction. Yeah. Like, that, I mean, I think that because we have talked to Lucy, we know a lot about the mage that, like, no one else knows. Yeah. At least at this point. But, like, yeah, like, the martial law stuff, the, like totally unfounded raids on the homes of like everyone in your community i mean straight up murdering eb that does anyone know that he murdered eb i would hope i mean does it seem weird that mentally wouldn't have asked fucking penny and simon what the fuck happened yeah but (laughs) i don't know if simon knows because like he went in and he was like help her Mm. like he thought that the mage was trying to save her and then Eb died and then the mage was like give me your magic and then the mage died so I actually don't know if anyone knows why Eb is dead necessarily it seems like it would be logical to assume that she's dead because of the mage yeah yeah I guess you're right I yeah I guess if if that and they don't know if and if they don't know that he tried to kidnap Agatha to fucking murder her and like I guess seemingly that that would be the worst thing that he has done they should know that at least I hope they know that at least. But yeah. I don't know. Just something, something deep seated biases about vampires. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's all. Yeah. I, yeah. I, my note also just says really in all caps. So it also, and I mean, obviously we'll get more into this once we meet a bunch of vampires in Las Vegas, but also I'm just kind of like, it feels a little bit unwarranted. <laughs> like just a smidge. No, totally. <laughs> Because they don't kill people. Like, they're, I don't know. They don't have to kill people anyway. Right. You know? Yeah. It seems like the ones in Vegas don't kill people. Because, like, that would be bad for tourism. So maybe you just need to give them jobs. (laughs) They won't kill people. Yeah. Or it's like, or like mentorship, I guess. You know? Yeah, that too. Um, Because I feel like... 
part of why Baz doesn't want to like sexy bite Simon is that he's just really afraid of killing Simon. And I'm like, I think if someone showed you how to eat without totally draining a person, you would probably be fine. Yeah, and well, he he also just has no idea how one makes a vampire. So he is like convinced that even Simon having vampire blood on his skin, which none of the lore works like that, my dear. Right. But okay. Right. So I think, yeah, I think he's afraid that he's going to turn him too. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, it's our favorite thing to talk about is like, these are people. They are people. Yeah. They're magical people, but they're people. So yeah, it's just, it's just very eye-rolly for the UK, for like everyone to be like, oh my God, vampires. I'm like, is this really the worst thing you can think of? Because I feel like an out of control mage seems like a way worse threat than a vampire that could be eating animal blood or drinking a drunk person, like taking a pint off of a drunk person. Right. I I don't know. Yep. Welcome to Caught in a Landslide, where we rant about stuff. I don't... I know that the point is to like show us how desperate the situation is, but Baz has now eaten eight pets. I also think the dog is definitely someone's pet. It is unclear if the cats that Baz ate were like feral cats or if they belonged to people. And I think Mm -hmm. that in my mind, I was able to be like, these were feral cats, but like, Simon stole the dog. He went into someone's yard and took a dog. Like that dog was part of someone's family. And this is like deeply fucked up. And I really <laughs> don't like it. It's like I I this is I think this is an excellent point. Cause I understand now Baz being a little leery about eating some wild animal unless they get captured by a dragon anymore. But America is so much farmland. Like you probably mm. could have found a cow to eat. Definitely. You know? Or some deer. I mean, maybe not if you still lyric. Yeah, like something that wasn't. <laughs> I mean, it's yeah. I whatever. Obviously, I'm a millennial. I have dogs instead of children. But I'm like, you might as well have just like eaten someone's toddler. Like, what the <laughs> fuck? <laughs> it's not okay. No, no. You are you are correct. So, and like, also, it's kind of just like obviously that helps stave off his other hunger. But that is not something like enough <laughs> for the amount of like physical exhaustion and magical exhaustion that he has. That's true. I don't know. You definitely could have magic. Oh, me not Simon could have. Well, I guess we were there strained of magic. I don't know. There, there was other alternatives I think out there besides stealing someone's dog. Yeah. Yeah. I don't like it. Uh, what do you have next? I and I'm not talk a lot more about this in later chapters, but I love how much sense it makes when Shepard is like, yeah, all the vampires are in Las Vegas. (laughs) (laughs) That part never, like this, like, what we're going to be coming up to once we get to Las Vegas is like fucking brilliant. Like, I fucking love it. Because it's like, oh yeah, of course you would have vampires in a city that's full of 24-hour casinos where you could just be indoors at any time of the day and never see the sunlight. (laughs) Uh, especially considering what a weird town Las Vegas is. I'll have to send you 
maybe not for this episode, but when we get to Las Vegas, uh, a video, a drug history video about the sort of founding of Las Vegas. Okay. Where like, there's one dude who was like, I mean, I'm putting founding in quotation marks. This is between like two white dudes who are like, there is some land that no one is at, quote unquote. Mm -hmm. I'm going to buy it and sell it to people to make money. And then like this corrupt governor from Montana shows up and like ruins this dude and like built a bigger town. And now like the county that Las Vegas is in is named after this like terrible rich dude who like it's yeah it's wild like the founding of las vegas is just like built on like corruption and ridiculousness. interesting <laughs> and it's like i could very easily see vampires being like i'm here on the ground level of this uh -huh. <laughs> um so yeah i love it i love i just love everything about this yeah it is it it makes perfect sense yeah um i feel like i put this here just because i felt like i had too much and is this just fantasy but why do you think American phrases are too unpredictable? I don't know. I guess, so I have two thoughts about that. Is maybe it has, maybe Baz brings it up because as people who speak UK English and not American English, there's some sort of whatever that sort of, whatever that sort of thing is sort of like makes it unpredictable. But I think honestly what it is, it just might be the sort of ever shifting nature of like American vernacular and sort of, and that of course being very much uh, race, class, regional, age specific, like specific things about mm -hmm. the way people talk and the phrases that they use. So I could definitely see it being like kind of unpredictable in that way because of the sort of fluctuation of use and the fluctuation of people using it. It mm -hmm. just wildly varies in a place like the U.S. that should be like eight countries and not one. Right, right, right. <laughs> that would be my guess. Yeah, that makes sense. I thought it was interesting that it was brought up in the context of the penny saved is a penny earned because I just feel like that's actually like a really old-fashioned saying that like I still know, you know, like I hear it and I'm like I've heard that somewhere, who knows where. But it seems it seems like it's something that has been around long enough that it would be like, yeah, you can probably cast that with a solid assumption of what is going to happen, you know? Yeah. But it's also like not a use enough phrase to maybe even be like, you know, maybe if you use something, maybe not newer, because then that might be even more predictable, you know? How funny would it have been if it had backfired and just turned all of their paper money into pennies? <laughs> that would have been so, they would have just had 20 pounds of, they would have maybe even more pounds of more pennies. More pounds than that, yeah, so many definitely. Pennies. <laughs> They're just pissing people off across the country, paying for meals with just like mountains of pennies. <laughs> I did that once when I was 17 and I still feel guilty about it. <laughs> I think we all did that at least once when we were 17. I've definitely like emergency paid for gas with like just all of the change in my cup holder at least like five or six times in my life. I know. I don't know why I keep thinking about this, but I'm like, I, I'm like a newer phrase would be something probably from a hip hop song about money, I think. Hmm. <laughs> I'm like, if I'm trying to think of what would be the like... Uh, the newer and even more volatile version of like a penny saved is a penny earned is like, I don't know. 
I can't think of anything right now, but it, there are plenty of songs to choose from that are about getting money. So, mm-hmm. um, the miscommunication. It's not even a communication. It's a verbal communication, whatever, or a physical communication between Baz and Simon at the end of this chapter. Oh, it's terrible. It's so terrible. <laughs> it's very gutting. And for those not not reading along, they're like holding hands. And Baz is like, I don't know what this means. And I'm like, you could say something. I'm going to read it. Okay. It, hurt, it hurts me deeply, is what it does. Yep. All right. Shepard tells Simon he has to lie down in the truck bed. Apparently, riding back there is dangerous and illegal. Both my middle names, Simon says. You don't have a middle name, I say, which seems to hurt his feelings, which I immediately regret. I'm just worried about him. I grab his hand, trying to make up for it. Just be careful, I say. Plenty of time for daring do when we're fighting vampires. What's daring do, he asks. Your middle name. He tugs on my hand. Crowley, we're bad at this. I can't ever tell what Simon wants. Does that tug mean I like you? Or is it take care? Or give me my hand back? I swear what it feels most like is I'm sorry. We can't even hold hands without exchanging apologies. If we knew how to talk to each other, it'd be over, wouldn't it? If either of us ever found the words. Just talk to one another. Oh just God. say something. Uh, it's so frustrating. It's so terrible. I know. And on that note. <laughs> Welcome to I'm Just a Poor Boy, where I'm going to tell you all the ways you can find us and stuff. So we're on Instagram and Twitter at The Gaily Prophet, which is our other podcast about Harry Potter. We also make another other podcast about our flag means death called The Gay Pirate Podcast. Uh, We are on the internet at hashtag ruthless.com, which is where you can find everything, including our cool merch. We're on Patreon at patreon.com slash The Gaily Prophet, where you can get really great stuff like more of me reading to you and lots of hanging out with jesse and other things that are fantastic and um also please leave us a five-star review on itunes yeah i'm basically always in our patreon exclusive discord if you want to talk to me or watch stuff with me which is a thing i like to do a whole lot and also if you want to hear us talk more about vampires because we sure do love vampires here uh if you join our patreon you can hear us discussing Buffy the Vampire Slayer. We are currently on season two and it is a rich vampire filled season. I mean, they all are really (laughs) the name of the show. It's a good season to not know a lot about Buffy, but want to hear more of us talk about vampires. (laughs) Mm -hmm, That's true. And I think we're going to record a one-off episode about uh, first kill probably sometime Mm -hmm. in October too. So yeah, that's vampire stuff. All all vampires all the time here. Oh, cool. All right. Welcome to Send Shivers Down My Spine, where we talk about sexy stuff. Um, first off, Bess spends at least the first part of his POV chapter not having a shirt. 
because mm-hmm. his shirt is all bloody and ripped and gross. And when he does get a shirt, it's like fucking deep purple and has like navy leaf print on it, which sounds sexy as hell. I would buy that shirt in a heartbeat. Yeah. So, and my second thing is because these boys are very bad at communicating, we're now just back to being excited about them holding hands, <laughs> which they do <laughs> when they could be hugging slash kissing. They are now briefly holding hands and it's like, feels like we're back to the slow burn. <laughs> It's but true. Worse. We are. We are back to the slow burn and we're not coming out of it until the next book. So uh, yeah. Uh, anyway. Mm-hmm. Those are my two points. Excellent. Welcome to Is This Just Fantasy, where we talk about magic and science and magical science. Uh, We get some spells. We get a lot of spells. We do get a lot of spells, starting with That Doesn't Ring a Bell, which is a very cool, wonderful spell. Yeah. I mean, still unethical because memory spells are. Deeply, (laughs) deeply unethical. (laughs) I just feel so bad. It's like... Shepard like stumbles back when she does that. <laughs> uh, do you want to just go through the list? Yeah. Cool. So we get a new oath spell. So we saw one in the last book, which is a gentleman's word is his bond. But apparently in the US, you have to use cross your heart and hope to die. Which makes sense. It does. And also sounds, I think, maybe more intense than a gentleman's word is his bond. Because I think that one just makes your hand like seize up if you break your promise. But this one will literally kill Shepard. Holy shit. Yeah, that's a pretty, that's a pretty epic bond to have. Um, thankfully, Shepard does not drop dead. So clearly it works. Um, I wonder if there's a time limit on that, actually. Because like, is it just like this whole incident? Because like, what if like, Post post canon, Shepard is like Penny. You should come meet my mom and be like, "This is my girlfriend. She's a mage." <laughs> and it's like, "Oh no, we accidentally <laughs> killed Shepard." Um, I think that Penny will remember to do whatever the reversal spell for that is. That's correct. You're, yeah, Shepard can't die right now, though, can he? Oh yeah, you're right. Because I think we find out in this book because something happened and then it's like, how are you alive? And it's like, funny story. Right. That happens, right? I'm not making I'm, that up. I'm pretty sure that happens, yes. Okay. You're right. Oh, that's probably why he's like, whatever, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Get in line. <laughs> You're going to have to talk to my girlfriend slash bear slash gaping hole if you want to take that approach. Um, God, I can't wait to learn the next book. Yeah. Yeah. This is still, I hope, more fun than maybe you were thinking it was going to be, but next it book definitely is, is. So It definitely is. We're over halfway now, or like exactly halfway somewhere. How exciting. I know. Uh, and then the only thing we get last is the penny saves the penny earn, which we've already kind of talked about. Yeah. So I also love that we, that we're just meant to assume that like, Maybe the entirety of the Rocky Mountains are just sleeping dragons. Like, that's the assumption that I made, right? Yeah, like, yeah, 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 definitely. It's fucking rad. It's so great. Also wild. 
Um, but I guess, you know, I'm like, are all American dragons sleeping? Because I just want to know. I think pr pro probably at least like the really big ones. And I was like, it sounds like, so Margaret wakes up because she gets hot, but then Shepard's like the others are starting to stir. And I assume that's because climate change. And I'm like, oh man, that's one of the things that like no one has on their climate change bingo card is the Rocky Mountains wake up and turn out to be sleeping dragons and reap destruction across the entire world. <laughs> you know, if dragons are the next intelligent, the next life form to take over after humanity has, I mean, I'm fine. I'm fine with our new dragon. I uh, support our new dragon overlords. 100%. <laughs> you really need to read the Wizard of Earthsea Chronicle yeah. cycle. cycle. That's what she calls them. You really, really, really do. All right. Uh, it's it's all you. Um, I think the last thing that I want to talk about is just we see Baz's body just like spitting out this buckshot in a way that is realistic to how, you know, non-vampire bodies work, but um, much more efficient, I think, and also more rapid. And it's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, this actually brings up a point that I have written down, which is Obviously, these vampires want, the next now folks want magic. But I'm like, clearly vampires have an intrinsic magic to them. Yeah. And so I'm kind of like, I don't know, if they had wands or whatever other kind of magical instrument, like, could they be performing spells? Like, I feel like it's sort of, I don't know. I feel like the sort of demarcation between, like, mages and then other magical beings being able to harness magic the way that mages can is sort of like, is it really that, like, cut and dry? Because I feel like it probably is Mm -hmm. <laughs> so but i guess we have simon who was like been moved from one side of that line to the other in a very weird way so i don't know yeah i mean i do think that there's a there seems to be a difference like there seems to be something in mages where something in their genetics connects them to something in the in the universe right it's like they learned how to breathe carbon dioxide instead of oxygen or in addition to oxygen or something like yeah. that you know mm -hmm. which i think is different from like a vampire or a dragon boy where sort of their physical makeup is magic that doesn't necessarily give them access to the like universe magic that mages are drawing from yeah like, I feel like if they did magic, they would be pulling it out of themselves. Like, they would be using... Mm, they'd be using the magic that is, like, I don't want to say powering them, but sort of. Yeah, basically. Like, it would, it would like, use up their own life force, I feel like. Yeah. Which is, I feel like, I've always thought kind of weird for Simon, considering, like, even without, I think, the mages fucked up intervention. It's like, both of your parents are mages, so you would still have something but we'll get obviously more into that in the third book which covers more about the sort of how much you can tap into that the mycelium network of magic i yeah and i can't so i, I think it's in this book someone i think some magical creature or person that we meet gives us some context about that too i think later in this book so yeah i will say though that if you want to read about vampires that are based in science and not in magic there's this there's this series by this YA author 
Scott Westerfield called Peeps and the vampires in his book are sort of, it's like almost sort of like a case of rabies. Mm. And the book is like, the main character in the book is very much like interested in all this stuff. So the book is itself peppered with all of these instances of the ways that like viruses and stuff can alter the behavior and the physical being of like animals and insects and stuff like rabies Mm -hmm. or whatever that thing is with that cats have that like gets into a mice body and the mouse is like i don't care about cat the smell of cat urine and then or i don't care about being afraid of cats and the cat eats them and then that travels through the mouse into the cat toxoplasmosis thank you yeah that thing and so it's like so this book is like okay but we've do that two steps further and you have people who can't be in sunlight and drink blood and blah de blah mm-hmm. so cool yeah anyway i bring this up to say that like there isn't any indication in these books that vampires that's like a virus or anything like that so i so i feel like we can assume these are vampires who are based in magic so of some kind mm-hmm. I feel like one of the tragedies of baz being unwilling to have any sort of relationship with vampires is like he doesn't know what makes a vampire and no one in his world cares about what makes a vampire but like i think lamb could absolutely have told him what makes a vampire you know i mean i hope that since nikki is about to be his uncle in-law whatever you want to say that since he sought out being a vampire hopefully can tell can tell baz some vampire stuff and be his like vampire mentor I love that. I didn't even think about that. That's great. I really, I just want that for Baz so much, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I love that. Okay. <laughs> um, I think that's all I have here. Do you have anything else? No, I don't have anything else. Cool. Thank you all so much for listening to this episode of Escape from Reality. Next time we will be reading chapters 38 through 40. And until then, Scott Scott-a-moosh. Scott-a-moosh.